You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has just released their new shotgun called the Renegade. The Renegade is tough, reliable, and ready for anything. Whether you're busting clays, dropping ducks, or whacking turkeys, Renegade is built to withstand tough use in extreme conditions. For more information about the Renegade shotgun, visit savagearms.com slash renegade This is a Houndsman XP podcast with your host, Steve Fielder, and me, Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. This episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we have got Seth Ish and his daughter Izzy and his son Eli uh, come on the podcast and talk to us about those Red Ruby hard time English dogs. I think you're really going to enjoy the podcast. It's a uh, Seth and I have been friends for quite a few years, and uh, if you're an English fancier, then you're going to hear uh, some names that you're pretty familiar with and names of dogs that you recognize that the issues have been uh, hunting for a number of years you're also going to hear from two up-and-coming hunters in Eli and Izzy and the way that Seth is getting them involved in hunting in the outdoors is just uh, admirable and something that we all need to strive for and, and there's a good message there but this is just a good old-fashioned conversation, tailgate talk with a few coon hunters that, that are talking about old times and, and the history of dogs and, and stuff like that. Before we get to that interview, make sure you're checking out W Hunting Supply. DUsupply.com is where you can find all of your hunting equipment needs, Garmin, uh, anything you need to keep those dogs in the woods, you can find it at DUsupply.com. W Hunting Supply at dusupply.com. Also, check out our friends, Freedom Hunters. It's a tough time out there for everybody. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about how we can make a difference. And there is a way for you to make a difference with Freedom Hunters. You can find their link from our website. Uh, if you haven't been to our website, that web address is www.houndsmanxp.com. Go in there, find Freedom Hunters. It's on uh, the partnership page on our website. And you can select Freedom Hunters. And you can check out how you can support a great organization that is still putting America's warriors back in the field, reconnecting them with hunting and outdoor adventures. One last thing. While you're on that website, check out our Patreon page. We are just a couple weeks away from having our first Patreon drawing. And uh, you're going to have to be signed up as a supporter through Patreon to be eligible for the 
for the drawing. We're going to do a monthly drawing and we're going to do our first quarterly drawing. So we'll be giving away a lot of prizes. Make sure you're watching our social media platforms and getting those uh, prize packages, the information on those, what, what we're going to be giving away. And uh, But make sure you're signing up there at Patreon. Hey, we're here to talk to Seth Ish and his daughter Izzy and Eli and just hear some uh, good old coon hunting stories and the history of some, some uh, historical English dogs. So stay tuned, folks. It's going to be a good, good podcast, good interview, and let's get to it. No doubt. I mean, this is a this is a scary time, and it's a deal where uh, you know a lot of people are running scared, and I think the media is doing a lot of things to fuel that fire. But um, I agree. You know, they're just they want to focus on the negative all the time. Part of it is so that people are aware and they're not reckless. I mean, you can't really blame them when you see a bunch of kids down on the beach in Florida acting like nothing's going on, and then bringing that crap home to grandma and grandpa. Uh, if it's you know if it's possible so you know a little bit of common sense would curb a lot of of this but i saw a thing on facebook the other day it's like if common sense is going to solve this problem most of y'all can't handle that (laughs) (laughs) or in a bad way (laughs) yeah yeah this is an uphill this is an uphill battle like a extended uh spring summer vacation because they just canceled schools here you know for you know the rest of the year i think they did it what two days ago and uh so it's a long extra long summer spring i guess you know way yeah. to look at it so, well they've been cheating the kids on summer summer for the last five years anyway when we were kids you got out on memorial day and didn't go back until labor day and these kids get like <laughs> a month and a half off if they don't have snow days and then, yeah. you know, then you're, uh, that's no summer vacation. Heck, that's like a, that's like a long, long spring break or something. Spring break. Yep. Yeah. I agree. You can't even, you can't even use them to work in the garden with only a month and a half. I mean, you need a good three <laughs> months of sl- summer they've slave labor. My, they've, been, they've been working on my sticks. <laughs> I need them here a little longer yet. So yeah, that'd work out great. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Teach them what the good old days are all about. Yeah, they learned yesterday after about three hours of picking up sticks. I said, well, you only got all day tomorrow to do it. You'll be done. So, You know, we had to talk about that. That was one of the things where uh, the kids, all of them would go out and I'd have them do stuff like that. And I was like, you can either get this one-hour job done in an hour or we you can do it for the next three days and turn it into 25 hours. It's up to you, but it's going to get done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right yeah well we've got uh, thumbs down <laughs> do what eli's over here with his thumbs down oh yeah <laughs> imagine imagine <laughs> yeah so seth i'm glad that you decided to come on the podcast and talk to us today and uh, i'm glad that you got uh eli and izzy in here at your kids and and uh i haven't talked to eli since i was up there hunting but it was like uh I, I I keep track of you on Facebook and stuff. I keep track of Izzy and and her hunting and stuff too. So we stay connected that way. But yeah. so how's everything up in the the hinterlands of the Great White North? Doing good. 
doing good. Just not going anywhere with all this stuff going on. Just uh, we've been fishing about <clears throat> every day and uh, just kind of doing outside spring cleaning and treating some cooing evenings and about it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's get some some proof that that Izzy is on here. How you doing, Izzy? Are you doing good? Yep. Good. How old are you now, Izzy? Um, I'm eleven. Eleven. You're, but you're going to be twelve. When are you going to be twelve? In, in July. July. So that's coming up. And then yeah. Eli, Eli, how are you? Good. Good. Good deal. How old are you now, Eli? Getting ready to turn seven. Good deal. Next week. Next week. Oh, that is really, that's coming up right now. So do you guys like, Seth, Seth, you guys just moved to a new house here not too long ago. And uh, Seth, you like, or Eli, you like where you're living now? Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do there besides work? I know you like to work. Ride four wheelers. Yeah, talk a little, move, move a little closer to the phone and talk just a little bit quieter. Ride four wheelers. Okay. Have you got room to ride four wheelers and stuff there? Yeah, we have a lot of paths. Cool. That's good stuff. What about that pond? Do you catch any fish in the pond? Oh, the the one day I did not catch any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just one day, that's a pretty good pond then if you only have one day where you didn't catch any. So Yeah. There's a lot of fish in there. Good. Have you jumped in the pond yet this year? No. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. We've got a pond here and, and uh my daughter's birthday is March twenty fifth. And our ice is usually gone by the, that time if we have ice that year. But uh, they, when my kids were growing up, they had a tradition that on Emma's birthday, they would go up and jump in the pond on March 25th. And it was cold, <laughs> cold, cold. have to do that next week for you. No, no. That's right. Today, what's wrong with today? way too cold out oh it's not too cold out you're not gonna die it'll just be cold for a minute you can run back to the house you'll be warmed up by the time you get there i'm gonna get maybe the bar we have a i'm gonna get you out there yeah yep i'm gonna get you in trouble is what i'm gonna do well seth let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about some coon dog stuff and and uh that's why yeah. we're here is some houndsman xp stuff you know i've I don't know how or when or how I got to know you. Um, I think I probably was following you on social media and uh, paying attention to uh, that line of English dogs that you're hunting up there and have been raising for several generations. And and uh, I think that's where it kind of drew me in. I think one time I was thinking about uh, considering getting an English dog and – I'm still not sure why I didn't, but I, you know, I, I, <laughs> uh, but I've, I've had English dogs in the past. I, I haven't, I am like a, uh, so you get these people that get deeply entrenched in 
Ford versus Chevy and steel chainsaws versus Husqvarna. The only breed of hound that I have not hunted or owned is a black and tan. And I don't really count the leopard oh, as yeah. a leopard as a hound. So it's a, it's a newly, <laughs> I'm going to get all kinds of hate mail for that one. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my dad and, uh, my uncle and a buddy of ours that we've known for forever, it seems like, but, uh, they made a cross back in like 1987, uh, mm. just an old line English folks and, uh, still carrying on that, you know, same line. I kind of carry two different lines here. Um, that line there was, uh, you know, my uncle, he started it. It was kind of like the red Ruby is what he named his. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his name's Jeff, uh, Jeff Cook, and um, Jeff, you know, he started a dog named Rex, and my dad had one, his name was BJ, and uh, everybody around here kind of had one of them, you know, from that cross, and... Uh, Your dad's name is Steve, right? I, Steve, yep, 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 he's 73, he's, he's still hunting, and uh, he, uh, but he had one of them, and my uncle Jeff had one, and Jeff's name, his dog name was Rex. And, uh, you know, so I kind of grew up a lot hunting with Rex and, uh, just, uh, man, just a stay put tree dog didn't matter. I mean, just pressure proof. I mean, that's, you look it up in the dictionary, that was him. I mean, he just, and, uh, no, hunted with him for years. I think he lived to be like 16 or 17 when he finally, finally passed away. But, uh, you know, I've, I've kept that line going. Um, mm-hmm. and by doing that, I got a dog named Ringo. Well, let's back and, uh, up. Let's back up because I want to yep. know where those, where that the Rex dog came from. You know what's behind him. Um, there was still some blood you see today. It was the Besher's Blue Boy Two. You know they called uh, yep. Junior. What most yep. people call him. They bred him the Indian Creek Windy, and uh, you know you got some hard time spec. You know just the old foundation. You know English dogs and. Uh, well, spec was con- contra- spec was controversial back in the day, though. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a fe- yeah, I had an uh, English female that was uh, heavy spec bred. She looked like um, she looked like a, a spec bred English dog. She had a uh, red head and blue body spots, and um, mm-hmm. a hard tree dog. She was extremely hard tree dog, and um, so yeah. So yeah. I- spec let's let's talk about spec a little bit because we may have some listeners that that don't know some of the history on that we're not trying to be controversial we're just trying to be factual on 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 spec and you probably have more information and know more about you know how he became a an english stud and stuff like that so you gotta can you kind of give us an overview on it anyway (laughs) that was a little before my time but uh I am friends with Ed Bates on Facebook and talk to him now and then. Uh, yeah. Super nice guy. Um, you know, so I'd probably have to get old Ed, get a little better info. But, you know, if I remember right, I think he was registered as Walker than English. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not sure on all of that. But, uh, man, he's just everywhere you know, in the background of these <clears throat> these English dogs. And yeah. uh wouldn't been for him and Junior, you know, I don't think this breed wouldn't be where it's at today um you know the whole breed itself but uh those are my you know about my my two favorites you know is those two um they just 
you know, to me was get deep, you know, they like to be alone. Um, that's what I like to hunt. Um, that style hound still, still hunting that style now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, and we'll talk about crow, I'm sure later on, but that's the thing I remember about crow is, I mean, when you turn him loose, he's, he's looking to, to get away from you and stays busy, moves around good and comes up with a coon and he doesn't care if he, if you have to walk 200 yards or if you have to walk two miles, he's, he's going to go do his thing. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what I always, you know, I always strive to keep here, you know, Susie and Ringo and Pearl and Charlie, you know, all them dogs. That's pretty much how they was and uh, yep. the hawk dog we've got now. That's, that's how he is. You know, you, you cut him and throws dirt in your face and going to be alone somewhere in the world. And, uh, but yeah, you know, going back a little bit there, you know, about that cross, you know, um, I got that dog, that Ringo dog back, I think it was 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just, he was a little bit shy of two years old. <clears throat> and, uh, I remember hunting him one night for my uncle and he was five months old and I could never imagine sending somebody out that was 17 years old with a five-month-old pup saying, hey, go hunt him tonight. Right. And uh, but I flipped him, I believe I flipped him four times and he treed three singles in a den. He was five months old by himself, nothing with him. Yeah. And uh, and I was all pumped. And uh, the next spring, I ended up getting him bought. And uh, kind of that dog, you know, he's the one that, you know, put me on the map, uh, you know, kind of, walked me through everything pretty much, you know, yeah, of course, you know, back in 2000, which had been, you know, about two years after I bought him, he took me to the top 10 of the UKC world. Didn't, you know, didn't really have no clue what was going on. You know, two rookies, me and my dad going to the, <laughs> he was up to Missouri to the zones and had no clue how no that stuff went on. And, uh, and then come back, you know, made it through there and come back and, and the finals was at, uh, Columbia city. And, uh, Made it all the way to ninth with him, and uh, I think I was, I think I was twenty. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got some semen frozen on old Ringo, and uh, and my Susie dog, she goes back to old Ringo and all them, you know. So we still, still got that. Was still Ringo keep that line of dog? I can't remember. I know I've seen a picture of him, but describe Ringo as far as uh, what he looked like. Was he was he a red tick? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the hunts I'd go to, they'd add, you got old yeller tonight. Yeah. He was always kind of that yellowish red color, kind of colored like a light deer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he's built, you know, real muscular, a real thick dog, you know, had a real pretty head on him. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, kind of my idea of the old style quarter horse, you know, kind of like that. Um, he was a beast, man. He was, a that was, a he was a coon treer. Um, how did he? I do, think he lived how did he do it? How did he? How did he treat coons? What was his style? I like magic. <laughs> uh, he just—I don't know. He just—he uh, had that that fire. You know, you cut him every drop. You know, he just—he threw dirt in your face. He was uh-huh. a hustler. I mean, and he was always—he was somewhere. He's going to be somewhere treated with a coon. I mean, yeah. he just deadly accurate always you know always by himself unless they backed him he didn't have that big loud mouth but you i could always hear him good mm-hmm. you know he just had a good carrying mouth he didn't have no great big horn on him um 
but he had a coon on him you know, every time. He he just and he wasn't one of them that got better after they was dead and gone. You know, he was just he was just always good and uh, everybody knew it. And uh I'm not bragging on him, it was just how he was. He was just he was just a good one. And uh that was a tough one there, you know, when he died. That was tough to see him go. I think he was like fourteen, uh, when he passed. I was still hunting now and then. Yeah. So but yeah, no, that's what kind of track yeah, for them? What, what kind of track dog was he, Seth? I mean, we're talking about the foundation. Yeah, we're we're talking about the foundation of your kennel here. So I want to know what um, you know what you saw in that dog to you know get collect you know collect him and uh, and uh, so what kind of track dog was he? Yeah, he, good track dog. Opened up good. You know, as soon as he smelled track, you know, as soon as he smelled track, I would say he was you know medium nosed dog. Um, he. Uh, Move a track real good. Man, when he was young, he had the wildest sounded locate you could ever imagine. Uh, it was it was terrible, and uh, <laughs> he wasn't. It wasn't. He was like three and a half, four years old before he really came into to a good locate. But you know, everybody knew what he was doing. You know, he'd throw that big, like a big squeal. It was just it was terrible. But uh, he came into that locate, and uh, but yeah, he he. You could hunt him in any conditions. I mean, snow, wind and rain was always his favorite. I mean, we went to a hunt and it was really nasty, windy and rain. Um, you know, it was pretty well game over for him. But, uh, yeah, he, he just, a lot of fun, you know, to, a lot of memories with him. So, uh, definitely, he he taught me so much, you know, it, it uh crazy to think back you know how much i learned just from hunting mm-hmm. uh and set you know kind of set my standards you know high you know for the next dogs that i've had you know if they wasn't <laughs> kind of in that see i i worked range. i worked in reverse i started out with the real sorry ones and <laughs> <laughs> and and kept feeding those pot liquors you know for the first 10 <laughs> 10 years before i saw a real coon dog and then after i got that it's like huh okay yeah we can do this a little different so <laughs> yeah yeah that's it happens i mean it you know, but sometimes guys are better off to do it that way to kind of yeah you know to uh I don't know how to say it to uh you learn a lot more enjoy them a little more yeah and enjoy them a little more when you do get that good one when you um, the good ones the good natural ones you know, they don't, they don't, um, there's two strains of thought. I mean, they tell you that you don't have to train a good dog, but if you can figure out how to train a bad one, then you shouldn't, <laughs> you should never run a good one, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've got, you know, we, uh, we got, uh, Ringo and then, Let's let's walk it on through from Ringo real quick, and and then we're going to you know shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about the background of your dogs. You put a lot of it's been your it's been your a lot of your effort and a lot of your heart and soul and and stuff that you put into that, and and uh, so we got Ringo, and then yeah. where'd you go from there? Uh, had Ringo, you know, he was getting getting some age on him, and uh, you know, done a done a pile winning with him. I mean, he he was always just a big high score dog. I mean, he, he really did. He's, you know, he always put up big scores. And, uh, then I think it was 2002. Um, 
had a chance to buy two females. That's kind of a funny story. Two chance to buy two females, and uh, the one I wasn't even wanting, uh, it was the other female that I was wanting. So I had to drive to uh, uh, southern Kentucky and meet a guy. And uh, so me and my wife got in the vehicle, and I think it was on a Friday night, took off and uh, drove all the way down, picked them up, come home, started hunting them. And uh, the female that I didn't want ended up being Pearl. And oh, no uh, the more I hunted her, yeah, the more I hunted her, <laughs> the better she got, and the better she got. Did some fine tuning. The other female, I ended up getting rid of her. Uh, <laughs> the one you wanted. Pounding old, yeah, the one I wanted, yeah. And just kept pounding old Pearl, and man, she was getting better and better and better. Uh, there in the beginning, man, me and her didn't get along very well at all. Uh, just. But she finally come to my way of thinking, and uh, man, she just she just didn't hardly ever make any mistakes, and that's I mean that's how she won so much. Um, she was nothing flashy at all. Um, uh, she was chopped both ways, but she had a triple long triple chop locate. Every breath tree dog didn't have a big mouth at all, mm-hmm. but she was always by herself. Every time you turned her loose, she was alone somewhere with a coon and. You know, you just kind of had to wait for a dog or a handler to make a mistake. And then you knew, you know, you was good to go because she yeah. just wasn't going to make them mistakes. But uh, I placed her three times. I think I qualified her, if I remember right, I think I qualified her four times for the UKC World Hunt. And I placed her in the top 20 twice and got in final four once she was world champion English twice. And the fourth time she come in heat right the night before the zone. So yeah. we bowed out, didn't go, but, uh, and then, uh, and in between all that, you know, I raised a couple litters with her. Um, that would have been, uh, Oh six, uh, back up. Oh five. Uh, I was at a hunt with Pearl, qualified her for the world. We was at Hamilton, Indiana. And I was walking in the door, and Shane Groves was walking out. And he stopped mm-hmm. me, and he said, hey, uh, found you an English dog you need to buy. And I said, nah, I've got enough. He goes, you need to go look at him. And uh, I said, well, who is it? And he said, old Charlie Seven. Yeah. I don't need another one, you know. And uh he said, I'm telling you, you go look at him. Well, anyhow, you know how it is, you know, put a bug in your ear, then it sits there and just about drives you nuts. So right. I was at work one day and pulled out, old, pulled out an old Kunan bloodline. Sure enough, old Charlie had in there. And uh, so I called on him, and, uh, and I called my brother, Sean, and asked him to go in partners on him, and he did. And uh, we bred Pearl to him in 06. And, um, that cross right there, just, it was just amazing. I don't, I don't know how many of them, uh, titled out that first cross. I mean, there was, there was a bunch, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just guessing going to say six, seven, you know, something like that. I mean, there, there was a lot of them and then we redid it again, um, you know, seven later on and kind of the same thing, you know, it just really boomed and, uh. Charlie got hot, you know, we was breeding him a lot. He he just threw a lot of nice hounds. You know, they're they're just coon dogs, you know, just 
independent, hard going. And, uh, and then, uh, well, let's, let's talk about Charlie. Um, let's talk about Charlie's your seven dog there for a minute. Yep. So yep. Shane Groves, <laughs> that guy, he's something else. He's a good friend of mine. I love going up and hunting with Shane and stuff. He's, uh, you know, if, if you go hunting with Shane Groves and don't have a good time, it is your fault. Um, I agree. Yeah. He's so funny too. Oh man. He's a hoot. We have, we have a blast when we get together and hunt. But, uh, uh so he tells you about, about this Charlie seven dog. Now let's talk about yep. where'd he come from? You know, I want to get really uh, kind of take an in-depth look at this because you went out and and purchased this dog because shane told you about him you did some research but what was there that that you decided you wanted to own this dog what how was he bred when you know he's bred kind of like how we like him you know he was wilcox you know he was off old saint nick larry wilcox okay uh, which has been around forever right um and the bottom side mm-hmm. um evans evans red joe you know goes back yep. to him. You know, it goes back to the junior Wendy, uh, bottom side, which was a dog that Sean always loved. My brother, Sean, uh, named Shepard Johnson Duke. And uh, I think that's the part that won over for Sean is having old Duke on that bottom side because he's always had a knack for them tricolor dogs. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, just kind of studied that pedigree. And, and uh, I just didn't think we could go wrong, you know, adding him in and uh, – how did his pedigree stack up against Pearl's? Because it sounds like you bought him for the purpose of, of not only breeding to Pearl, but that was definitely on your list of things you wanted to do. So so what did you see in the, the Charlie 7 pedigree that thought, man, that, that might work right here? You know, when I look at a pedigree, you know, I look for, for family traits and things that I like and then try to match up, match that top and bottom so you know i'll look at a a stud dog pedigree and the female that i'm going to breed or vice versa and uh and try to find those common traits that i know are going to suit me and give me those types of dogs that i'm looking for so so what was in that pedigree that you saw on uh well i knew on like pearl you know uh, her mom was uh you know just kind of a freak reproducer you know you you just heard of you know i I did my, you know, did some background checking on a lot of the dogs out of her from the couple of different studs she was bred to. And there was just, you know, there was just a bunch of them. Um, and, you know, the way Charlie was bred, Charlie had only been bred just a couple times, you mm-hmm. know, when, when we got him. Um, and just the way his pedigree was loaded, I thought, you know, there's no way that he cannot, you know, reproduce. And with having old Pearl's mom, and then Pearl was on a dog named Hard Time Moses. Yeah, and you know Moses was a good reproducer, and uh, so was it. Was it going to be a line bred, or you know, was some there's some line common ancestry back in that pedigree? Yeah, a couple generations. Yeah, nothing, nothing terrible close. You know, wasn't there was no you know half brother, half sister, nothing Mm -hmm. like that. Just a good. To me, it was just a good balanced. Um you know, two pedigrees together, but, you know, what I was looking kind of too, you know, Charlie had the, the monster mouth, Earl didn't, you know, thought he could help on that. They were both, you know, loners. So you're about guaranteed to have some independence and, uh, both good tree dogs, uh, you know, both very, very well mannered. Um, 
I thought, well, you know, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. I never would have dreamed that what, what was going to happen. You know, uh, we, uh, you know, after we made that, um, you know, and I, you know, I did quite a bit of winning with old Charlie there, uh, won the invitational with actually the year I won the invitational, I had a hunt against Sean, <laughs> hunting a, he was hunting a, hunting a female out of Ringo. So I had to hunt against him. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just easy to call, um, you know, just that he just had that big, just had that big roar on the ground. I mean, just so he'd locate. I mean, anybody that you didn't have to coon out to know what he was doing. You know, I mean, it was just <laughs> yeah. But uh, he had that big gear under him, and and the, and the older he got, you know, because I didn't we didn't buy him until he was probably coming six. No kidding. You know, everybody always told me how wild how wild he was mm-hmm. when he was young, and you know, we just got him home. And he was really heavy. You know, he was probably around 85 pounds and uh got some weight knocked off of him and just started hunting steady and you know he he kind of just to me he calmed down and and he just had coon tree on his mind and uh just a lot of fun uh qualified him for the world a couple of times we you know we got in the zones we got beat but uh he was just he was fun one and uh you could breed him to anything i mean anything and he was going to throw um, but he, you know, he, I don't know how old he would have been. His health kind of started getting bad and, uh, just kind of breeding a female here and there. And a guy yeah. brought a female up that was a really good reproducer and, and, uh, he couldn't get the job done. And I said, uh, I got another male off over here, you know, that we've just bred him once. I said, pups are young, you know, showing good promise, you know, and that was a, that was the hoss dog. He was off of, uh, hmm. Charlie, Charlie and Pearl, and uh, that female's name was Kay's Red Lady. And, okay. Uh, when we made that cross, you know, when them pups started getting old enough, the first cross from from Haas was just on fire, and uh, almost every one of them pups in that litter was was cranking. And I told Sean, I said, I think we're, we might have something here, you know, and it just. Uh, he just exploded too. Um, mm-hmm. He was just like seven. You could breed, you could breed anything to Hoss, and uh, you know he just just threw. They were real young. They're very independent. Um, but you know he he. Uh, I think he ended up siring about two two hundred and fifty pups. But Hoss what was that? Did, Hoss did. Hoss sired two hundred and fifty pups. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I didn't realize I didn't realize yeah. he'd bred that you'd bred that many females with him. That's we would have bred a lot more. <laughs> kind of the same thing. He ended, he ended up getting uh, he ended up getting prostate cancer uh, hmm. really bad, and uh, we didn't even know it. He acted fine. Went out there one day, took him over to Beitzel's, get him collected the second time, and uh, Dean held up a you know they kind of collect him in that bag, he held it up. He says. He's done. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, did you get much? <laughs> and I look, I'm like, oh, boy. And that beaker in that bag was clear full. Here was prostate fluid. Mm-mm-mm. And what's wrong after that? He died. And uh, yeah. he was only like eight when he passed away. So, I mean, and I think he's got over 50 pups that are titled or somewhere right in there. Um, he's at least at 50 pups. Right. Um, right. And I, you know, 
I think he's the only English sire to produce two PKC Platinum champions. Hmm. Yeah, we can. So, so you've said it a couple times. But, uh, you talked about Pearl's mom being a pr- reproducer, and then you talked about uh, uh, Hoss's. I think you said Hoss's dam was a was a reproducer. So, how much stock do you put into that female? And and the reason I ask that question is because it seems like you always get this big debate, and you know, with <clears throat> dabbling in some stud dog business a little bit. Uh, one thing I've noticed about having a stud dog is they'll get all the credit and all the blame, regardless of, of <laughs> what you breed to them. You know, you breed a good one, to, you, you breed a, a female to them, and, and they turned out superstars. The female gets very little credit, but if you breed that female and you end up with duds, then you get all the blame too. So I'm curious what your opinion is. You've been breeding these line of dogs for a long time. Tell me what your opinion is on on the importance of the female that you you put under these studs. Uh, a lot, you know. I think you got to have a you know a female with a good, proven you know reproductive background. You know, with like with a mom, you know, was a good reproducer of of your female. You know, uh, but you know, I've bred two, you know, already two of the best coon dogs together, and, and you know, it was a dud. I mean, you just stand with your mouth hanging hanging open, like what the heck? You know, How did I, this happen? But, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's you know, there's times it's a guessing game. You know, like with Charlie and Pearl. You know, it was like hitting a lottery. You know, with them two. You know, I just mm-hmm. went by you know pedigree and and how they were in the woods. And uh, who would have ever ever guessed that those two would have been put in the Hall of Fame uh, by the English Association? You know, it's just that was a big honor. You know, and, and both of them the same year. Um, it just still. Uh, Still in awe over that, but anyhow, uh, yeah, they got to have, you know, like, like Pearl's mom, you know, I, and I didn't know this when I bought her, you know, uh, but after, you know, looking and, and checking with different people, you know, with dogs off of Pearl's mom, you know, uh, seeing, you know, what a good reproducer she was and, uh, the way Pearl was bred, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe we got a, got a chance here. And, uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, when I bred her to Charlie, you know, I, I would have never dreamed it'd been what it was, but, uh, uh, but yeah, we, you know, there's three of us brothers, there's me and then Scott and then Sean right. and all three of us had one of those. And then my dad, he ended up getting one uh, a couple years later. And, uh, that was pretty neat, you know, that we all got <laughs> one from that cross, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, all, all of those were titled except Scott's. He ended up, uh, he ended up dying at a vet's office and uh, he needed five points to be night champion mm. or all of us would have had a title dog from that, you know, and that goes to show, uh, you know, how, how dominant across that was, but, um, yeah, to find a good female, you know, that, that reproduces like that, that's so do you hard think, to do, you know, do you think, do you think, um, you know, Pearl and, and Charlie got in the hall of fame based on, their reproducing ability together tell us because a lot of the hall of fame stuff and we've got listeners that um you know they don't even keep pedigrees on their dogs so um what does it take to get dogs into that hall of fame you've got a male and a female that went in the same year so what does it take to get them there and how important is it 
Yeah, they, uh, they, uh, I don't think what year that even was. It's been, it don't matter, I guess, three, four, five, four years ago now, three years ago. Uh, time goes so fast. Uh, you know, they both yeah. had good hunt, so hunt records. You know, they both did a lot of winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that goes into, into play there, you know, with Pearl, you know, being in that world hunt, 05, 06, she was world champion English, and then 08, she was, uh, you know, got in that, got in that uh, final four and placed third. You know, Charlie was, uh, he won their English days, you know, uh, a few different times and, and got, in the, got in the world hunt there a couple times, you know, the zones and just, you know, won the Ohio State hunt and uh, different things like that. And then, you know, reproductive part of it, you know, it just, to me, it takes, takes a combination, you know, uh, you know, of winning and, and reproduction. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's, uh, so, so how important is that for your breeding program, you know, seeing those dogs in that pedigree, do you try to try to go back to that and capture some of those traits, uh, concentrate your breeding there. I mean, it's a rare thing for, for you to have, it's, it's a rare thing to have a male and a female in the, in the hall of fame, but then it's also even a rare thing for it to happen in the same year. So, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing with that fame and fortune right there? You just bought a new farm. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) We've been blessed. And you're on the Houndsman XP podcast. That's the biggest. Yeah, don't that's the big. Than this, uh, yeah, that's the biggest prize. Is look where it got you. You're right here on the Houndsman XP podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and to pause the dog stuff for a minute, you know, the you know appreciate what you guys do, you know, for this because you know getting getting the coon hunting out there and letting people listen to it because man, it's it's tough. You know, it's tough to find land to hunt and and to get people to let you go and be on their property, you know, different hours of the night. And, uh, it's getting tougher and tougher every year. And everybody's got to take care of, uh, you know, other people's land and, and respect people and don't drive back, you know, if it's muddy or stuff like that. Right. right. But, you know, if you guys doing this, you know, it's awesome. You know, getting me and Eli, we was listening to, uh, one of them podcasts earlier. It was an older gentleman. I, I think he had blue ticks. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but he was giggling over here cause the guy, uh, guy come out and told him he made him some raccoon from the night before and ended up being goat meat and uh <laughs> so you know you get you know with both my kids they just downloaded it earlier and right. uh, was it with yeah, was our gotta, latest episode with nubbin nubbin more yeah that's yeah. what it was yeah, yeah. nubbin was yeah. a <laughs> ukc rep and he was also uh 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 it won autumn oaks with the black and tan down there um I think he's moved on over to the dark side. He and Steve Field are both, uh, for some reason, have walkers now. I'm not sure why, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, so and that's a joke. So there's plenty of good dogs of every color, and like like Ed Vance says, he says I never saw a good dog that was the wrong color, and I agree with that 100. percent But uh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to the. I want to talk to you about your family and and what you guys are doing up there. Let's get through this. The you know these dogs are uh, you know with Charlie Seven. What are you guys hunting now? You guys are you guys just purchased a new dog. You and Izzy are partners on the on yep. the dog. Is this yep. your is, um, it, is this your first partnership with Izzy? 
Yeah, we've had a we've had a few of them together, but okay. This was a definitely this was definitely our biggest purchase together. But uh, we, uh, you know, you asked earlier about you know this this you know line of dogs, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we we try to keep that the two lines when we try to mix them together. Um, uh, you know, as far as like going back to Ringo and and. Um, a buddy of mine, he's hunting a grand night right now off some Ringo semen. Mm-hmm. Izzy had bred her female that she had here. Oh, she had her for a few years. Her name was Lucy. Right. Uh, she's a pretty good reproducer. And she yeah. was off a of hoss, and we bred her back to Ringo semen. And uh, so there's still some old Ringo dogs still out there doing some winning. But, uh, yeah, you know, like Hawk, he's the one we just bought. Um, I bought him. You know, he was, he was he's actually off a of hard time Austin. Uh, me and Izzy went up a little over a year ago hunting with him. Tried to buy him then. He looked really good that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't get him bought. And uh, we ended up buying him here uh, 1st of December. And um, he's off a hard time off. And then on the bottom side, he goes back to old Charlie. He's grandson to old Charlie 7. And uh, he also has Pearl's mom on the bottom side. No kidding. Um, and then a dog named Stone Cold uh, Nick, which mm-hmm. would be off of St. Nick. And Charlie was off of St. Nick. Yep. So, uh, you know, like, you know, your wheels get turning. I'm thinking, well, awesome. You know, he's a very good reproducer. He got Pearl's mom. <laughs> you got Charlie down there. Uh, you know, there's just multiple in there with him. And I thought we could add him in, you know, you never know, you know, what, what, you know, never know for sure what you're going to get, but I've had pretty good luck with that, with that line of dogs, you know, and, uh, never, to me, it doesn't hurt to have a little Charlie and Pearl's mom in there. So, no and, doubt. Uh, so we uh, we bought him and uh, we bred. I think four four females to him right now. We got latest one. We just bred Eli's female. Uh, Eli wanted to breed his female to her, to him, and and uh, she's off of hoss. So uh, okay, uh, the way she's bred, you know, we're gonna have uh, two shots of. Charlie Seven, you got two shots of Pearl's mom. You got Pearl in there. Uh, well, if I'm gonna, in there, if I'm gonna get it, if I'm gonna get a an English dog, I'm gonna buy it from Eli because I already like the way that I already like the way that sounds. Sounds like you've got. I think I think Eli's making some good choices that are going to carry you into the future. There. <laughs> He's a smiling. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think everybody else is thinking that too. And like I said, you never know, but. You know, the way we had, you know, pretty good luck with that. I thought, you know, Eli wanted to breed her to him, and I thought, well, I don't think you can go wrong. And right. uh, I think we better, was it last week we bred her to him? And I think we've booked nine pups already. So it must be uh, catching some eyes. But, uh, Eli, what are you going to do? Yeah, with, we're going to. Eli, what are you going to do with all your money? Keep it. Keep it? That's a smart move right now. I can tell you that. There's no doubt. <laughs> so, let's let's talk about something because how long have you been how long have you been breeding this line of dogs seth i'm going somewhere with this question but just give us some background yeah myself um you know it had been about 98 uh 22 years but you know yeah my family has had you know like the ringo rex all that you know since 1987 we've kept this alive um on that that line there 33 years yeah okay yeah. so yep. yep tell me what it's taken for 
you to be able to, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but uh, tell me what it's taken for Red Ruby Hard Time English to to be successful, to, to stay uh, competitive, to keep producing these types of dogs. Um, obviously, you can't do this by yourself. So I thought that was something we could talk about was your feelings on um, – on that that subject yeah uh it takes a lot of help um you know from outside people you know believing in your line of dogs uh and them taking them to hunts and, and giving them a chance and training and mm -hmm. uh you know pushing them uh that's that's a biggie you know uh you know got a lot of met a lot of people through this i mean a lot um just had a guy call me the other night that i drew back in the later, you know, like 2008 and, uh, on Swalker dogs and he booked a pup, you mm -hmm. know, and just, we reminisced over that, you know, that hunt there, but yeah, it takes a lot of help. Um, I got a, got a great family that, that hunts and, you know, we try to help each other out. Got a good understanding wife that, you know, she knows what to do. So, yeah, um, yeah. So good about that, but. Yeah, you know, dad, brother, you know, they just still hunting. You know, my dad's 73. He's still hunting. Um, currently looking for a good dog for him right now. His, uh, his female passed away. But, uh, yeah, you just got to have a lot of help, um, you know, with different people. You know, there's a long list of them, you know, that's, that's hunted these dogs over the years. And, uh, you know, that's uh, – I think there's a couple, you know, I'll, I'll throw my two cents of what I've seen from, you know, the people that are hunting your dogs. You know, when I look at, uh, when I look at guys like, uh, you know, Derek Goldman, uh, Derek bought own buck for a while. And, um, I don't, I'm, I can't remember how that all went down, but he, he owned buck for a while, but he constantly, every time he was on social media, he was always talking about, it was never about Derek. It was always about Buck. It was about, you know, the fact that you were you sold him to him. Brandon Termolin, I can't remember. He was hunting a little female that was out of your stuff. Was leading Indiana. She was off of, yeah, she was off of uh, Pearl. Okay. And uh, kind of funny, she, we'd actually, I'd actually made a half-brother, half-sister cross with old Pearl. I just, I don't ever do that hardly, but uh, just what they had there and, you know, with Pearl's mom and all that. And uh, made that cross. She was kind of getting some age, had a little trouble, and there was just a, couple two or three pups that lived out of that mm -hmm. and that little female there her name was heidi right she was a yep. good one. And yeah she was a good one i, I drew, drew, her, like, drew, yeah. drew her a couple yeah. times and she was a nice outfit but the thing about brandon was you know yeah he was out there hunting a female and he owned her but but he was constantly every time i talked to him about heidi he always gave the credit back to the breeders that you and your family you know hey you know i'm this is a this is a one of Isha's dogs, um, you know, I've just heard that constantly over the years from different people that were hunting dogs. You, you listen to, uh, you know, Rich and Kyle Emery up there. They talk about, you know, if they were ever going to not hunt plots, and I don't know, uh, then then they would be hunting English dogs from your kennel. And so that speaks a lot to your character, but it also, I think it's effective for, it's a good lesson for our sport, you know, I'll just throw a real quick example in there. You know, my jazz female, she's a blue tick. 
but she is wild and blue bred. You know, that is Mackie man's. She's got pounder. She's got spanky, um, top and bottom. So I don't try to take credit for that. I even named the dog, named the dog, lots of grit, wild and blue jazz, you know, to, to make sure that I'm giving credit back there. And, um, that's the kind of teamwork and stuff that it that I see coming from people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and those guys you name, you know, Derek and Brandon, uh, a good buddy of mine, you know, Brent Moss, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's so many of them, like Pete Cross, you know, it's just there's so many that you know it's hunting these dogs or you know was hunting them. Um, you know, you you got to have those kind, you know, believe in them and. Uh, you know, the dot female, you know, when I sold her and, uh, you know, and Crow, you know, they went on to PKC and got pushed there, you know, done a, done a pile went in there, you know, it's just it takes guys like that, you know, that can, can keep rolling along, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, you gotta have, you just gotta have good people surrounding, you know, good family, uh, funny story. Uh, my dad, and he's always been a big help, you know, come, come pick us up, you know, for somewhere, you know, or yeah. gonna have somebody come get us, you yeah. know, got too far in. Well, you know, he's always one. I'm, I'm pretty well known to fall asleep driving at nighttime, you know, for going very far distance at all. And, mm-hmm. uh, different hunts, you know, he wouldn't be in it. He'd be like, call me when you're done. I'll, I'll either ride along or drive you up there. And, uh, I don't remember. I think I was at New Knoxville one night, Ohio at a hunt and I had to guide. Yeah. Had enough guides, I come back excited and won the hunt. My female blew out at the end, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was a Friday night. And I knew dad had to be at work the next morning, so it's like two o'clock in the morning. I call him, I'm like, What are you, do- what are you doing? He's like, Sleeping. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, uh, chicks, chicks treed about a, a mile back on the river, and you know, you'd have to walk on the road. I said, uh, I got a leave her. He's like, I'll get her. Where's she at? And I told him. Wow. And so, you know, he got up, I got up out of bed, you know, went got all his stuff on, walked her out in the middle of nowhere, you know, got this dog, went back home, back to bed, then got back up for work, you know. So he's always been there, you know, to, you know, whatever's needed. But I like Sean, you know, mm-hmm. always there, you know, if you need him. But uh, yep. it just takes, uh, <laughs> takes a good group. It does. Group to, and I see to that. help you out. I see that in a lot of different, I I always enjoyed that. And I think it's something we don't talk about because, you know, when you get, when you get your picture taken, normally it's at a hunt, it's going to be you and your dog. And, and that loses a lot of backstory. But if you look at like Jeff Coons and the Redwood plot clan, man, if one of those guys gets, gets on the bench for a picture, there's 10 people in that picture and it's all the team Redwood guys. We look down in the Appalachian mountains, uh, you know, the Appalachians down there and they're breeding those bear dogs and they've got a hunting group and that's how they're able to be successful. And it's a, it's a tough road to, to hoe when, when you're just out there trying to find a dog here, find a dog there, uh, to be successful with it. And, if you can get yourself into a network of a good breeding program like yours, then you're going to up your success. And that's one of the things we get questions a lot about on messages and stuff is, you know, how do I train a coon dog or how do I do this? Or, and, and we love getting those questions, but something I think we miss too often is man, get yourself entrenched with that group of people that are going to produce the, the dog that that's going to suit you and then be loyal to it do your part. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge. And, and yeah. 
the other thing we talk about, and I, I don't mean to dominate it here, but I want to comment on your dad getting up, you know, in the middle of the night. And he's seven. What do you say? Seventy three. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this before. There is so much for the younger hunters to learn from these guys. So I'm happy to hear that he's still hunting. And, uh, um, there's a place for those, those are senior hunters out there. And I, I just hate to see them just retire and, and give it up and take up a spot on the couch or in their easy chair and, and not be involved because they can't, they think they can't do something. There is so much for all of us to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's still going. He had a new hit put in right out a year ago. He bounced right back, you know, still. Yeah. Still going. I get him getting the right hound sound here. We'll, he'll be back in the hunts here. And, uh, but yeah, between that, you know, he, he goes, you know, kids go and we all try to get together and go some. You know, you're getting a dog ready and I'm kind of a loner then. But, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, usually it's Eli, they're usually along and that's about it, you know, but, uh, but yeah, we all still try to, to get together and go. We went the other night, just drove separate with all this stuff that's going on right now. We drove separate and still went out and had a good time and, and uh just plugging along. Yeah, good deal. That so, sounds but uh So let's talk about Yeah. You've been the beneficiary of uncles, dads, people that got you into the sport. Let's talk about what you're doing with your kids. Let's talk about uh, it. Let's talk yeah, about Izzy. Yeah right now i've talked about eli a little bit i know he's sitting there grinning and uh i'll give you a little bit of background i I went up i don't know how long it's been a couple years now and uh, met your family when they were really young izzy actually hunted with us that night eli was still a little bit uh too young to be out there keeping up and and doing things like that but what a great family you've got and I'm happy to hear that that Eli's in the game now, but but Izzy's been in the game for a while. She had the Lucy female. Um, she impressed me the night we hunted together. She was uh, she reminded me a lot of my daughter Cora. She kept up every step, but she also knew what was going on. It wasn't she was just out there. She was invested in what was going on, and 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 took the time. She was serious about why she was out there. She wasn't getting distracted by lightning bugs and and night crawlers i mean she was worried about what those dogs were doing. as houndsmen we share very unique needs when we make a decision to relocate especially when it comes to finding a hound friendly environment in which to live remax hall of fame realtor evan harrell is a houndsman himself and he and his team understand your relocation needs as no one else can with so many things to consider before you move Evan can help you find just the right location anywhere in the country whenever you decide to go and will even help with the process of selling your present home. And Steve, Remax Elite Realty is based in Franklin, North Carolina. Evan Harrell specializes in residential sales and especially in helping people like us to relocate to the locations we choose anywhere in the United States. Remax has been the leader in residential transactions since 1999 and rated the number one brand in real estate. Evan has been named top producer four years in a row and Chairman's Club recipient in 2018. Contact Evan online at evanherrell.com or give him a call at 828-371-5103. You and your hounds will be glad you did.
Yeah, I started her going, you know, going along with us pretty young. We were just talking about it. Was it last night? Yeah, last night uh, we was talking about, you know, when she started going along. And I said, you know, I can remember the first place we ever took you. And it's kind of funny. It's right in the backyard where I live now. Mm-hmm. There's about a 50-acre woods there. We come in from the other road. My wife was along. And I had my little chick female. We cut her in there, and she just went about 100 yards and treated coons. And uh, I remember I carried her in there. You know, she was so tiny. You know, carried right. her in there. and It's just like that kind of set her on fire. Um, and, uh, you know, she just always wanted to go. Um, I can remember night guys coming here. We go to leave. She'd be standing at the back window. We had, tr- had a church pew there, a small chief standard looking out the window crying mm-hmm. every night. And, uh, you know, and then just, you know, got bigger and bigger each year and just, you know, would, uh, like in the summertime, I, you know, I've always been off on Fridays and I can remember we'd always, we'd always go in and go to sleep, you know, early evening, sleep for a couple hours and get up and hunt all night. And, uh, we've always, we've always done that. And, yeah. uh, then, then she got big enough, you know, she's learning, you know, learning what the dogs are doing, you know, which dog would strike and, you know, kind of teaching her how to, how to call a dog and, you know, when she had to call them and then, you know, started putting her in some youth hunts and, mm-hmm. you know, she just started winning. She's very, very competitive and uh, just, you know, kind of started winning. I think even though she hadn't even star, is that right? Star. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she won with her at English days and youth hunt won the whole thing. I, I think that was about her first big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, uh, she got to go to the youth nationals. That'd have been two, two years ago. You know, she plays ball from May to October. And, uh, we was in the middle of ball season yep. and, uh, we went over to Salina at youth nationals and she was hunting buck and, okay. uh, pretty well had him dialed in. We had her dialed in and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, just kind of doing some mock, you know, mock hunts and, you know, certain times you kind of had to listen to him, you know, and he, but he just, he was so easy to call. I mean, he's had that oh, yeah. big, it'd be hard to find. It'd be hard to find a dog with that locate like, like he has, but, uh, it was on a uh, Friday night. It was so hot. I'm thinking it was like 90 some degrees at hunt time. It was just miserable. And, uh, she stood out in front of the cast, you know, and I just stood to the back. And she called him, you know, for what, what he was doing and when she needed to. And, you know, just had a lot of comments that night, you know, how, how well she knew and, and, uh, how I didn't have to help her. Right. And, uh, right. Just, well, let's, let's talk know, to Izzy a little like, bit. I want to talk to Izzy. Okay. There you go. Izzy, you remember, yep. do you remember when I came up and hunted with you guys? It was, it's been a few years ago. I brought uh, big country. I brought big country with me, and we hunted. Uh, what's that? Uh, the bear rug you brought up. Oh, the bear rug. You brought your daughter's bear rug. Yeah. Oh yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I had had. I had to pick up that rug, and I was hauling it. I was hauling it around the country with me uh <laughs> yeah i went up to uh uh oh just north of portland there what's that tannery up there i can't remember the name of that you remember what it is seth 
Was you at Was you at Monroe? Is that where you had it done at? Probably. Uh, probably. Harvey. Maybe. And at any rate, you know, I, I pick up the bear rug and then you and I decided to get together and hunt that night. So I was hauling dogs and bear rugs and all kinds of stuff. So I think I might even been headed up to Burke holders after that. I can't remember, but, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I looked like a gypsy on the road, but, uh, <laughs> you remember, Izzy, do you remember, uh, you guys cut a female loose with, uh, with big country that first time around. Do you remember that? It was Lucy, yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. That was Lucy. Yeah. Yep. So I wanna know we also hunted another male pup later that night, which I remember that dog's name. Do you remember what that dog's name was? Was it Earl? It was. It was ugly Earl. And I thought, man, that yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> I think you found the coon that ugly Earl treed back that uh big long lane we went back there. Uh, there were some grass strips and a, a flat woods back there, and we walked in, and I think you were actually the one that found Ugly Earl's coon back there on that <laughs> hunt. But, I, hey, I want to ask you a serious question, okay? Yeah. So you've been doing this long enough now. You've done some winning and some youth hunts and stuff like that. What kind of dog do you like to hunt in in these youth hunts? Um. I like the ones that just get by themselves mm -hmm. and have the kin. Okay. Do you like a dog that uh, strikes pretty quick? And, you know, how important are stri um, strike points to you? I mean, as much points as I can get, really. Yeah, okay. That's a good answer. You want to get all the points you can. And that means you're going to win when you can do that. So yeah yeah um do you like a uh do you like a dog that really goes deep or do you want one that that can tree coons around you or what are you looking for there um that will i don't know just tree a coon close to you oh. if they have to or far okay yeah well if they're going to get those wheels under them and go deep they've got to have a pretty good mouth on them and if I remember, yeah. if I remember Lucy, she had a pretty good mouth, but, uh, she didn't have to go real deep to tree coons either. Uh, we actually split treat on our first drop and each had a coon, but she was actually closer than, than co big country was. He was, he's a more of a deep and lonely type dog too. Um, but you've bred Lucy, you bred Lucy a few times, didn't you? Yeah, I think twice. And, and, um, what'd you breed? Lucy too. Um, the first time was Buck. Uh, no, Ringo. Yeah. No. No. Buck. So it was three times yeah, we three did times, it. Yeah. Yeah. So first time was Buck, and then uh, Ringo, and then Charlie Seven. So you bred him, th bred her three times. Yeah. Okay. So the ring. She wasn't. A, she wasn't a she wasn't a very good mother the first couple times. Okay. Okay. So so the Ringo cross and the seven Charlie Seven cross would have been semen pups then? Yeah. Okay. All right. So when you bred her to Buck, how many pups did she have? I think twelve and kept three. Kept three, okay. And did you keep any of those pups? Or did uh, you sell we them? I kept all? one but I uh, we kept one. 
how did the other he passed away very <laughs> okay all right did uh yeah did any of those did any of the pups out of that litter make uh coon dogs or what kind of success did you yeah have um the cooper yeah cooper uh he's owned by jared layman he's okay. kind of southern indiana I think he lacks 400, I think 400 bucks from being a, uh, a PKC gold champion. He's a night champion. He's been tearing it up with him. He's, uh, he's done really well. Uh, let's get Jared's with young, it, Jared. Young guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard right now. Cause yeah. these daggone hunts are all shut down, but, um, yeah. yeah, let's get a gold champion out there yeah. for, for, you know, Lucy and, and, uh, Buck and Izzy. Yeah. They, yeah. uh, They've them two have been a good team. He's he's done very well. Yeah, he just sent me a text. Says, I don't like not going to these hunts. He said I need four hundred bucks and he could be done. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that. But yeah, that we just didn't have very good luck with her being a being a very good mother. Mm-hmm. But uh, she did produce Cooper, and man, he's just been on fire. And you know, Lucy's off a of hoss, so yep. You know, keeping that keeping that still in there, keeping so. it in the family. Is he? Um, yeah. So, so when you bred to Charlie Seven, that was, or did you breed to Ringo after Buck? Uh, Ringo. Okay. All right. How did she do with that litter? Was that, uh, did she keep any of those pups? I think she kept like six, I think. Yeah, five or six, probably. Yep. How'd that cross work out for you, Izzy? Mm, It was okay. Did you keep, did you keep anything off of that litter? We didn't. No. We had too many dogs at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ended up buying one um, back, and his name was Rock. And uh, it was kind of a long story, but I'll make it short. But we ended up to get Hawk. <laughs> we had to we had to sell Rock, and then Roger Geisman got him, and Roger just. You know, he went to doing a bunch of winning, and uh, with Rock, he granted him out quick. And uh, Roger still, he's still doing some winning with him, so that's good to see that. You know, Ringo and and uh, Lucy and Hoss and Charlie and Pearl, you know, still still winning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, Izzy, what's your what what are your plans? Are you going to be able to play ball this summer, or they did they already cancel that ball season for you? Uh. Still. Up? We don't know. Okay. And it's softball, right? Yeah. 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 I can't... Archery in February. She's an archery in February and then 4-H gun. And then it goes straight into softball for five months. Yep. And then you've got coon hunting. And I know you're a deer hunter. You you hunt deer. You do all of this stuff. Yep. You're a you're a busy young lady. And uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering how you find time to hunt these dogs and, and keep them ready for the hunts. How you do all this? Um just uh my dad helps get them ready okay and um my uncle sean helps sometimes Mm -hmm. and there's some nights where we don't get home until one just getting them ready right yep and make sure you keep your dad awake on the road when you guys are out there hunting, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep poking him in the ribs and talking to him. And and uh, the most important thing, though, is, is rem- someday you're going to need to remember all these people that, that uh, have helped you 
get involved in all this stuff and helped you with these dogs. And, and I think you will, because I know, I know your dad and I know your family and, um, I know you're going to remember those, all the help you've had along the way. So yeah. good luck in the future, Izzy. I hope that you uh, have a lot of success with your hounds and I'll be back up to see you once we can, we can not social distance or figure something out and defeat the Kung flu here so that, uh, <laughs> so that we can, uh, get together and start hunting again. Eli, I want to talk to you for a second. Can I talk to you again? You still there? Yeah. All right. So what are your plans for this year? What's on what's on Eli Ish's agenda for 2020? You going to start hunting dogs and youth hunts, or what are your what are your plans? I'm taking too young to. Well, it's up to you. <laughs> I don't know. I've been wanting to for a long time. Yeah, yep. In all your seven years, you've been waiting for this, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll tell you what. That's going to come soon enough. But I bet you're going to catch some fish and ride four-wheelers and hunt when you can. Is that the plan? Tell him what you got last night. Uh, a brand-new helmet light. Ooh. Uh, a, like a, it's not a sunspot, is it? Yeah. Oh, so you got a really good brand-new helmet light then, right? Yeah. You'll have that thing worn out between catching night crawlers to fish with, shining shining coons across the pond dam back there, and uh, coon hunting. You'll have that thing worn out by fall. You'll need another one. Yeah. Right in everybody's eyes. Yeah. 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 That thing's got a laser on it, right? Yeah. It can go two miles. Yeah. Laser, lasers will actually go until they hit something. They'll go to infinity, but... Uh, um, pretty, pretty impressive, but yeah, you probably won't be causing any trouble. Have you got any cats around there? No, no cats. Okay. Well, if you, no. does your grandma and grandpa or anything have any cats? No. Do you go to anybody's house that has cats? I'm trying to, I'm trying to give no. you something to do here. All right. If you see a cat, no. if you see a cat, you shine that laser out in front of that cat about three or four feet. And he'll chase that little red dot all over the place. It's it's crazy. Yep. You'll... We we um me mom and Izzy were riding four wheelers and we went through a one one path and there was a cat and <laughs> yeah yeah yep. So you do see cats around there occasionally. All right, buddy. Well, hey. Yeah. Like I told, like I told Izzy, I'll be as soon as we get through this coronavirus stuff. I want to get up there and hunt with you guys and see you again. So, yeah, Seth, we talked a little bit. We started, we started down the road, uh, you know, talking about the future of hunting and things we're seeing. You know, right now is a pretty perilous time for for our culture and our country. But uh, UKC has shut down all operations and everything like that. And I asked you this question before. We've talked about this before. But you know, what do you see happening if, if uh, you know, competition coon hunting doesn't exist anymore? Uh, I'm still going to coon hunt. Uh, just we all enjoy it. And uh, just kind of a peaceful, relaxing time or try to make it that. Um, 
now. If it, if it all stopped, you know, tomorrow, you know, I'd, the competition-wise, I'd still go, you know, and still keep my kids going and, and try to keep, you know, a tradition going that, you know, my grandpa started, you know, years ago. Um, kind of go on that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, you, time. yeah you guys uh, you guys do a, a tribute hunt for him up there, and I'd like to, I'd like to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, my, uh, my grandpa, he'd been, uh, my, my mom's dad, um, he got, um, my dad, um, and man, several people into coon hunting, um, and, uh, you know, he didn't competition hunt, um, you know, he got his boys, all four of his boys into hunting, but he didn't competition hunt, he just hide hunted, you know, and he supported his family, like, in the wintertime, you know, that's how he supported them, you know, and he, mm-hmm. He slaughtered the coon back then and, uh, you know, didn't have these style of dogs now. He probably wouldn't approve of them. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, if, you know, to me, if it wouldn't have been for him, none of this would ever have happened, you know, with, you know, with me hunting and, and, and winning and, and going with my uncle and my dad, you know, taking my kids, uh, you know, it just, I don't ever see it, you know, right. happen. Right. But, uh, so about, 2005 he he passed away i think in 02 or 03 i think it was 03 and i thought you know, i got to think about it so we put together a little memorial hunt my place and uh all there was you know 10 10 12 people you know come over and had some food just had a little shed there right and uh did that for a couple of years and then i built a, a barn there at our other place where we lived at and we moved it in there. Of course, the hunt grew. And now, you know, we're going on, this will be, what, year 15 for it. And uh, it's just grown and grown. Uh, where I'm at now, uh, you know, get a bigger barn. And this year that barn was <laughs> full of people. Uh, you know, we have kind of like a buffet line for food and uh, just a good time to get together and hear some old stories from back. I never got to hunt with him, but, uh, you know, uh, he, he was retired and, you know, or, you know, didn't, didn't hunt anymore. Just gotten too old. Um, but to hear them stories from my dad, my dad hunted with him a lot, but hear them old stories, you know, hunting with a lantern on them big two cell flashlights and, you know, what he drove, he always drove an old car, you know, dogs in the back and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, to hear them guys sit there and talk, you know, and, and, uh, man, you can hear a pin drop some of them nights to them stories going on, just, you know, the old days and, you know, no worries. And, but, uh, it's kind of a, probably my favorite, uh, hunt that we had, you know, memorial hunt we had was, I think it was three years ago. Um, it was me and my uncle, he don't hunt or nothing. He would just go along and, uh, my cousin and me and Izzy, and uh, there was another cousin was along and, uh, we all pack in these vehicles, you know, there's usually about 10, you know, 10 big groups of hunters that go out and there's guys that stay back and play cards. And we try to be back, you know, we're going to be back at 11 and, uh, we was about halfway through this hunt and I turned my Susie female loose. Um, she was, what is she going to be 12 here, but, uh, I've done a lot of win with her over the years. She's, she's tied right there with the best I ever had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we cut her loose and, and she just goes down the edge of this woods right off the road, strikes, comes tree. And, uh, hey, don't get no easier than this. So we pull up and, 
I told my uncle, I said, hey, your turn to shoot. Nah, go ahead. Well, that put Izzy on her turn to shoot, and we go walking in there, and I hollered hollered back. You know, he was kind of lagging behind. I hollered back, you know, and told him, I said, you know, hurry up, come up here. Walked up there, and there sat an albino coon. And uh, and she had a regular coon, you know, regular colored coon on there also. But uh, what a perfect night, you know, to, to tree an albino coon and, you know, on that yeah, memorial cool. hunt yeah. you know, for my grandpa. And uh, so we shot him out. Of course, you know, we got to go the rest, <laughs> rest of the night, you know, and try to try to tree some more coon you know we're wanting to get back you know to show everybody right so we come back and we all you know each group gets their coon you know weighed in and then at the at the end you know we uh we just put like you know a little piece of paper in there one says biggest one says smallest well whatever gets drawn out that's who wins you know whatever is given away mm-hmm. and uh we weighed all of ours in and izzy went outside and got that white that albino coon you know out of the truck and I had her standing there at the door. The door was shut. I said, well, I think we might have one more to weigh in. Well, everybody thought, you know, we had a great big coon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened that door up, and there stood Izzy holding that white coon. Yeah. And, man, that place, went, that place went wild. Wow. And But what a perfect way, mm-hmm. you know, to, and what a perfect night. We'd actually treed that albino coon, and it was just a baby. Uh, it was like middle, you know, beginning of July, um, three years prior to that. I'm surprised and, it lived uh, that long. He was. Yeah, he was about, he'd have been the next woods over. So, you know, he's probably about 400 yards from the original woods that we'd treat him in, a little sapling. I no thought it was kid. a possum, and he thought it was a cat. <laughs> you know, he's walking in there. I said, heck, that's an albino coon. But, uh, Typical but, yeah. English dog style, so, trashing on anything yeah, that'll climb. Yeah, trash. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, but no, that there's been one that, man, just, you know, what a perfect night to do it to, you know, to honor my grandpa. And, and uh, so we got him mounted and he's, he's out there in the barn in our little man cave. So, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, you know I, I just, you know, thank everybody that's helped me over the years and, you know, family and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we we kind of went down a dark road there earlier with you know what would happen if the competition hunts went away, but um, this is a perfect example of what can continue regardless of what happens with you know dog registries or business or whatever. I mean, you don't need a business mm-hmm. in order to to do great things like this. You have a memorial hunt for a, for a, a hound legend that has gotten how many generations now you know four generations mm, of people yeah. into hunting and we had sid underwood on uh ukc rep and and things from texas he's an author uh, wrote a book but he talked about the old days of the texas state hunt and how it was more of a rendezvous you know like the old fur trappers rendezvous and and as long as there are houndsmen and there are hunters that is always going to be there we're always going to be able to do that sort of thing and uh, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think that's probably, you know, for me and my stage of hound hunting right now, Seth. You know, I know I want to know when that hunt is. That's that's the hunt that I want to go to. Um, the mm-hmm. other stuff, you know, I've been there. I've kind of I haven't always, you know, I've been to a lot of the bigger events and stuff. But that sort of stuff is going to keep hunting on the landscape. And in the future for us, regardless of, of, of whether you can compete for, a, you know, trophies or whatever, those sort of things will, how can you go wrong with that? It's a family or 
or you know family event you've got your kids there what an awesome deal so when is that when is that memorial hunt uh that's usually sometime in november um you know it's usually when we try to have it's kind of old we get a tendency for a week deer hunting um so it's kind of we kind of got a plan you know around that but um yeah it's usually sometime in, in november and uh you know there's people there that didn't even know him but they know me you right, know or, or right. my dad or you yep. know um and they just kind of come there to, you know to honor him and enjoy some good good bf and, and food and and uh you know just it's a good time you know there's there's been nights we've walked out of that barn, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, you know, just sit out there talking and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, uh, but you know, everybody always looks forward to it every year. So well, make sure you let you to come up, make sure, yeah, make sure you keep me in the loop. We'll stay in contact, but I, I'm serious. I'd love to come up there and, uh, attend that hunt. I know like Matt Lingo and, and Limberloss does a, does a Fred Lingo Memorial hunt think yeah. you know mm-hmm. people that have have really made an impact on the sport and you know they get a good gathering there but we don't always give enough press for that it, you know it's never miss the opportunity to to you know post a, a picture of a winter classic champion or stuff like that that's all important but we don't get enough press for these types of events that i think are going to be the mainstay into the future of of our of our lifestyle yeah, you know, and I think another thing is, and I'm guilty of it as well, you know, is, you know, if we don't try to, you know, if these organizations don't try to get, you know, some more youth events going, you know, uh, I don't know. It's not to sound depressing, but, you know, it's kind of dying off. Um, I just feel like we probably should do more, you know, to, to get some of these kids involved because me and you ain't gonna be here forever you know right. to keep hunting and uh it's uh get them off the games and get them in the woods and uh i don't know you know i'm gonna have to talk to some people and see what we can do to to you know try to get some more youth involved i'll i'll, I'll make a comment on that you know i had gene hopkins uh you know we hosted gene hopkins was a vi- uh guest and we I went up and interviewed him because I've known Gene for years, but he's with the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable. And, you know, right now, if you, you can get enough doom and gloom by watching the news, there's no doubt. But this is one of the things that we talked about. I personally think, and Gene has seen it too, that hunting has swung in that pendulum as far as it can go. That pendulum is going to start swinging back. We are seeing, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and, and things like that that are that are looking for opportunities to hunt. Um, backcountry hunters and anglers has has taken off, and their main uh, demographic that they're that they're drawn in are their 20 some year old, early 30 some year old people that are coming to hunting lauren Verani, one of our team members here she didn't start hunting till her late 20s she adopted a, a blue tick hound from a pound up there because she wanted a, a companion dog and the dog started treeing squirrels so she did a research <laughs> and now she's bear hunting coon hunting you know we were in arizona this past year on a lion hunt um, and she's all right she's i mean she is neck deep in it she bought a farm she's got five hounds now she's she's uh really into it so i think there's a a lot of hope on the horizon for us. The other thing, Good. the other thing that I really believe, and this is an observation that I've had the last week, 
when you drive through your community later today, look around. Families are together. Kids are playing outside. Um, uh, you know, kids, people are, are actually breaking the ground and planting gardens. Uh, you know, the, the older men are sitting on the, the, the adult men are sitting on the porch. If they live in town, they're, they're still talking to their neighbors from the porch swing over to the next porch swing. We've got to, I think this is a golden opportunity for our culture to recapture some of the things that have made this country so great. And I think, I think that is right at our fingertips and uh, we can capitalize on this. And I think hunting can even capitalize on it more because I don't care if there's beef in the free, in the, in the refrigerated section at Kroger, I know how to get meat and I can, I can butcher my (laughs) own right here. So you got some goats. Well, we don't have, we don't have any goats anymore, but, uh, uh, if it comes down to it, I was in the business long enough. I know how to poach. If it comes down to that, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. when it, when it gets to <laughs> yeah, that I point, agree. when it comes to that point, God put this landscape on the face of the earth for us to use. And, and all us country boys, hunters, fishers, anglers, we know how to, how to make food out of this land and we can feed this country on that if we have to i agree and you know like you said you know just the last few days you know i've been off work here um and uh you know just doing some stuff around the house and you know fishing and just kind of enjoying it out here you know it kind of makes it you know not saying this going on is good but kind of makes it nice to slow down and, and just enjoy you know a slower pace, you know, and, and, uh, kind of like, you know, your grandma, grandpa, you know, the way they was, you know, just not running all over and, you know, nonstop on the go. Right. Well, you talked about games. Okay. So, so here's what happened. I'm guilty of, of this too. So you're going to work all day. Your, your wife's going to work. Uh, both, you know, a lot of families are, are dual income families so mom and dad are both working all day you go to baseball practice with your daughter and she takes you know the your son to someplace else and you come home and you pass each other and then it's like man i'm worn out so the kids aren't worn out yet you know they they're getting there but so what do they do they go in and they play they play the xbox or they play the the playstation and um you know, a lot of people get in that rut and that habit. But what we're seeing now is mom and dad are home all, all day now because I know several people that aren't going to work just like you. And they look at it and they think, you are not sitting in front of that TV all day. And they, they force them to go outside. And now kids are finding out, hey, riding a bike's not too bad. You know, <laughs> going fishing isn't too bad. Playing with the neighbor kids isn't too yep. bad. Um, you know. Yep. And if you're playing baseball yeah. or if you play badminton, you can social dit- distance during badminton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. That's going to, maybe that sport will really take off again. Oh, man. But it is a good wake up call for Yeah, everybody. I think it is. I mean, it really is. That's the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make. I agree. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, you're getting to spend some good time together, and which we always do. You know, it's, you know, usually evenings we go go hunting and especially in the summertime the kids are off but yeah i guess this is pretty much summer now so yeah yeah Yeah. they try to keep me out too late at night and and uh, get up too early in the morning but now relax for a while so i think our kids and we're going to look back on this thing 20 years from now but our kids will remember this time in their life and i bet they'll remember it if if they're 
being involved in the things your kids are, I think Izzy and Eli will look back on it and say, you know what, it was a rough time. I realize that now, but it was probably one of the best times I ever had. And I heard that from the my grandfather during the Depression and, and people that I know that lived during those times. You know, they didn't know they were in trouble. They were just living life and they enjoyed it. So I think it'll be, yeah, I think yeah. when we get on the other side of this thing, I think it's going to be a great thing. We needed this, re- well, somebody to hit the reset button on this culture. They hit her. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we've we've preached on that enough, and I, Seth, I'm, I'm serious. We we try to bring the most dedicated houndsmen to this show to share their stories with our audience, and I've always considered you to be one of those guys. Um, regardless if you'd ever won any hunt at all, you know, just your dedication to your breeding programs and and the way that you're carrying on these traditions and and the things that you do within within the coon hunting community, you know, you are a guy that, that I definitely, and I talked to you about this a long time ago, we were going to do it face to face up there and, um, do a sit down, but with, with the social distancing and the challenges we have, this is a good time. And I'm really, really happy that you let Seth and, uh, or, uh, Eli and, and Izzy sit in on this interview because I really enjoy him. Yeah, I we've we've enjoyed Austin. You know, Izzy. I told her last night she's going to be calling. She was all, she was all wound up. So Good. yeah, this, <laughs> this also will be something you know they remember forever. Yeah. Um. You know, like, you know, and I'm glad they were you know here to you know to hunt with my Susie dog. You know, and and uh, you know the different dogs that I've had. You know, Crow. You know, they they've got to go along with me to you know these these world hunts and and autumn oaks. You know, and English days when we've placed and stuff and you know, keep them involved, get your picture taken. And, and, uh, it's been good. You know, it's been good for me too. You know, I, I, uh, definitely life changing, you know, when you get kids and, and, uh, and try to hunt and all that stuff, but with them being involved, that, that sure makes it, makes it a lot more fun and a little easier to leave at night and go. So, and if, if your kids are involved and your family's involved, it, it makes it, uh, it's easier to justify, justify being involved you know it um that's one thing with mm-hmm. my daughter and uh i burned my son out at an at an early age because i was way over the top on that stuff but um and he's just a different personality but you know core was like izzy you know if that truck was if i was headed out of the driveway that night if i if i stopped the truck in the driveway because i forgot something in the house i could count on coming back out and she'd snuck out and was sitting in the seat of that truck saying i'm ready <laughs> you know and uh, she didn't let me leave yep. very often without without having her in the truck and and i love to hear that about your kids so izzy i know you're excited about talking to me i guarantee you this will not be the last time that you're on the houndsman xp podcast as long as we as long as yeah you're welcome, Eli, and you're, it's not your last time either. Next time we do this, we'll sit down with the headsets on, and uh, we'll sit there and have another conversation, maybe after we hunt or something. What do you think? You guys like that idea? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Seth, you gave parting shots. Anything you want? Shout out to the audience. This thing will go out to about uh, about 3,500 people. Yeah, just uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having this, and give me the opportunity to be on it and uh hopefully it's all this 
stuff passes by as far as health wise, everybody stays healthy and uh, keeping keep them in the woods. Yep, you got it, man. Well, we have a tradition around here, and uh, the way we close out all these podcasts, and I'll I'll just throw this out to uh, Eli and Izzy too. I I'm gonna come up for that memorial hunt in November, and if we go hunting together and we turn those dogs loose, we line them up there. You know, if my dog goes one way and your dog goes another way. You follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. 